Welcome to the Sussex Business Times cover story. Today, I'm joined by Matt Hunter and Paul Rostus, co-founders of PlusX. Today, we're going to talk about PlusX Brighton, why here in Morscombe, what the innovation hub brings to a county like Sussex, and how the pandemic has changed the way that people work. Okay, guys. Um... Obviously, great to meet you both, and let's just first talk a little bit about yourselves and introduce yourself to, to our readers and, and let yeah. us know a bit about PlusX and you. Okay, uh, so my name is Matt Hunter, um, and so my background is very much from the world of design and innovation. Uh, I was lucky to, to go to two great art schools in this, this country, Central St. Martins and the Royal College of Art, and because everyone knows that the UK's got great sort of design and uh, design education. Um, but also I was really lucky because it was a great moment in the early 90s where people were working out that um, designers should actually be designing software and computers and that, that whole thing. So I went out to Silicon Valley and I started my career in San Francisco and spent 15 years consulting really around the world um, mm -hmm. for startups and for corporates. So I've always been immersed in the world of, of sort of innovation and design. And then after 15 years of that, I uh, wanted to do something different and started working for government. So I was chief design officer at the Design Council, working with, let's say, the NHS or the Home Office, improving healthcare services or trying to reduce crime or, you know, almost sort of bigger picture thinking, really. Yeah. And then finally, um, when looking around for other things to do, I, I got involved with some property developers called You and I. Uh, who are the landlords of this building here in Brighton? Okay. Uh, and they were doing something amazing, which is creating a startup accelerator, as you know, a, an accelerator program for for startups. What was a property developer doing doing there? Um, but we'll, we'll come to that. So yeah. you know, so my, my world is absolutely around um, innovation for businesses, big and small. Right. Brilliant. And Paul. Uh, so Paul Rostis, the other co-CEO, the yeah. other co-founder. Uh, couldn't have a more different and much duller background compared to Matt's. Uh, so, although I started in quite a fun area, I was brand manager for Unilever and then Johnson & Johnson. Okay. I spent uh, 20 years in, in the finance world, in, in capital markets in the city. So I, I worked for very big banks like uh, Climate Benson and then JP Morgan. Very much focused on, um, as it happens, uh, analysing companies like Unilever and seeing if they're a more interesting investment proposition, say for your pension fund, than Nestle or Danone or Heineken, yeah. whatever it might be. So very much focused on the fast-moving consumers of goods companies, but very much focused on analysing their strategy, understanding what makes them more likely to be successful than sure. the next guy. Halfway through my time in the, in the markets, though, I ended up getting involved in real estate. So that's one of my, I suppose, areas of, of passion and expertise, is um, I created a brand new business for a big company called ICAP, called Property Derivatives. Right. Uh, and that brought me into contact with the asset class and the big owners of property all over the country. So the big institutions that you probably didn't even own, yeah. own half the country's property. <laughs> sure, so sure. Uh, the Prudential and um, Schroeders and Fidelity, all these things where you might invest your, your, your money or your savings or pension, they own swathes of property. So I got involved in understanding you know, what they, they are interested in. Um, and then after about 20 years in markets, I had a bit of a midlife crisis about 10 years ago and decided to leave uh, and really sort of try something more, much more entrepreneurial. And that started with actually doing angel investing into startups, okay. which not surprisingly, when you think about it, led to somebody saying, well, could you help me as a startup? So I started doing startup advice, a lot of what we 
didn't hear that. Yeah. That then led into, well, the three biggest challenges that startups face are access to capital, access to support, uh, and access to customers. Well, we do actually have three of those here, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My particular expertise was, well, can you help me raise money? Yeah? yeah, yeah. Um, so I did that quite successfully and thought, well, actually, I could do that for myself. So I raised a load of money to start up my own little tech startup and app business, yes. which ultimately didn't work in the way that we wanted it to. Another time over a beer, I'll tell you that yeah, whole story. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, you know, I certainly started to understand the excitement of being an entrepreneur and also, fundamentally, the challenges. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Trying to do stuff on your own versus with a partner uh, and all the issues and pitfalls that come with it. Um, so after five years, my wife said, go and earn some money now rather than spending hours. <laughs> and I started doing some consultancy work also for this company called You and I, which is where Matt and I met. Okay, okay, okay. And together we came up with a strategy out of something that effectively You and I had sort of started to create, which was the genesis of Plus X. But it really was, they had started something that had no idea what it was, what it could be, yeah. and more importantly, had to then take it forward. So together we came up with a strategy and created Plus X, and the rest is history. Amazing. Which we'll tell you about. Yeah, of course, of course. Just quickly, uh, just going off mm. a little bit, like the, the entrepreneur, because it's something I find fascinating, I've done, been doing a podcast about the entrepreneurial journey. Do you feel that, like, that you obviously went on that path? Was that something that you, thought of when you was younger, is there something that's come from that, like you've always thought about maybe running your own business and doing that, or is that something that could actually just come later, just because of circumstances or jobs, etc.? Uh, I would say, I don't think I ever thought, uh, no, I think, no, actually I don't think, I, 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 I knew what I liked, yeah. uh, my, I thought my dad worked at Vauxhall, right? He was yeah, an HR yeah, yeah. guy at Vauxhall. Yeah. Uh, and I was interviewing to go to Johnson & Johnson, and the guy said, where do you want to be in five years? And I said, sitting in your seat. <laughs> yeah. And then he said, where do you want to be in 10 years? I said, I want to be the marketing director. And he said, and where do you see yourself after that? I said, I don't know, running my own business. Right, right? Right, right. My dad was a bit shocked that he said that I wanted the guy's job, and I think that got me the, like, got got me the job. job. Yeah, yeah, sure. Because he sure. wanted that sort of passion and ambition. Yeah, yeah, so I suppose I had this idea that I might want to run my own business. Yeah, Couldn't yeah. tell you what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never had a, 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 a career plan to make that happen. Sure, sure. Um, but I think what actually happened was when I went to join this company called ICAP, with the benefit of hindsight, they were a big institution, yeah. but they were sponsoring me, they were paying me quite nicely to be an entrepreneur. They basically said, here's a blank sheet of paper, this is the business that this is the market in which we want you to build a business. How you do it is up to you. Okay? Yeah. Right. So that was a, that's a luxury that most entrepreneurs don't have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was yeah. getting paid, right? It was relatively yeah. low risk, but that made me realize, actually I do want to run my own business. Yeah. Then it's about finding the great idea. Yeah. Um, and hopefully in plus X we found that. Yeah, right? no, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, I think it's an interesting question though, because I, personally I don't think I ever did envisage my Self running a business, like many designers, yeah. were kind of like, okay, well, am I part of a consultancy? I mean, some designers, I suppose, say, I'll run my own consultancy, but for me, yeah. that's not quite the same as running a yeah, sure. different product or service business. And indeed, I think what we actually do here often is help people to have the confidence yeah. to take an idea forward. So, in other words, a lot of people just say, well, I've got this idea, well, I'd better run the business then. You know, I, I better make it happen. Yeah. So, so they're almost like reluctant entrepreneurs, or, or, or the, 
entrepreneurship is a necessary requirement to make their idea real. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right? But, it's, but, but it, they never had a hankering for sort of running their own business disconnected yeah. from what the idea um, was. Sure, sure. And actually, some of the best entrepreneurs, the ones who are self-aware enough to say, I'm going to start this business, mm -hmm. I'm going to get it going, yeah. I want to stay involved in that business, but I might not run it. Yeah. So, yeah. so is a great example of one of the companies that we've supported for many years in Hayes. She brought in a CEO to replace her. She's now like the chief product officer or something, something like that. that. Yeah. She's the creative person. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't want the rubbish that goes with running a company, right? Yeah, yeah, the distraction yeah. or you know whatever. Or, or she has all the skill set, whatever it might be. Right? That's quite that's quite brave yeah. to do that. Um, but again, it comes back to that's some of the things that we try and help people think through. Because yeah. I guess it's easy starting that initial, having that initial idea and how you run that. And so the hardest thing with, I guess, how many people, and we're probably seeing it more now, maybe with what's happening with lockdown, people make redundant, etc. Yeah. They look at yeah. you and go, no, but I've had that idea for a while. And exactly. I want to do it in there. The and this yeah. is the time, yeah. So, but the hardest thing with anything like that is just taking that first step, isn't it? And obviously. And it usually requires a catalyst. Yeah. It, and, and if you look, post the global financial crisis of 2008, yeah. Biggest number of startups created yeah. in 2008 to 2011, right? Yeah. I, I saw a headline, I can't remember which other paper it was in, but I saw a headline that was saying, and it's happened again. Yeah. In the last year, we've seen the biggest number of startups being created because either people have gone, if it's now or never, yeah. or I haven't got a choice, yeah. or I've got a bit of redundancy money, what am I going to do with it? Yeah. Maybe yeah. this is the time, right? Yeah. And, and so often, I think I've heard people say, uh, I thought I did want to become an entrepreneur because someone in my family was or I knew someone. So in other words, this whole like, this, this image yeah. of being an entrepreneur is sort of still quite rare in this country yeah, perhaps. Yeah, and, and, and you tend to sort of, if, if you know someone, you might tend to do it more. And that at some level is what these buildings, is what Plus X is about. Because yeah. you come in here thinking, well, I just want to be part of this sort of interesting thing. And you go, well, everyone else is doing it, so why don't I? Yeah, you know, so I think there is something, again, as I say, very much about a journey of confidence building so that more people can say, yeah, why not? Yeah. Let's, let's give it a go. But, uh, yeah. but one of the biggest challenges, uh, there's, I'm sure you might have met, have you met Lucy Hughes yet from Marina Text? No, no, I don't think I So I think Lucy's worked this out, and sometimes, it doesn't matter how many times you tell them, they've got to work it out themselves, yeah. but... Um, Working out what your skill set is, yeah. what you're good at, what you're passionate uh, about, and, and more importantly, working out what you're not good at yeah. or what you need yeah. is really important. Yeah. And we sort of we worked that out. What's Matt's strength, and how can I complement him, and yeah. vice versa? Right? Um, and that's that's part of the ambition here, right? Yeah. Is help you identify that, and then find the other party, yeah. the, the partner. Now it doesn't have to be. We're going to go into business together. That's a nice story if it happens. Yeah, sure. But it's how can you use the phrase earlier? How can you collaborate together, even Absolutely. though you might actually be rivals? Yeah. You know, we come from a generation. You know, I remember when I was creating my tech business. We come from a generation which is, if I've got a bit of IP, I'm going to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. The current generation, globally, yeah. I would suggest the 20, 30, maybe 40 somethings, yeah. uh, talk about. Uh, it's not about, it is about clearly about IP, but it's yeah. about actually, I, I think I've got a good bit of IP, but if I share that with you, yeah. you know, you might be a competitor, I might learn something from you that makes mine even better. 
absolutely. Uh, and that's quite a big mind, mindset shift. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What I love about that, what you both sort of alluded to there, is the fact that it's exactly that. that we, we, as an entrepreneur, you start a business and you, you and you end up at the start. You are running everything. You're doing all the bits mm-hmm. from accounts and bits and bits. So the the whole Japan, and then you sort of taste it. I can't. God, you know, that's scalable if it's just me doing them things. And then, like, like you say, you've created obviously a space here where you can, well, we can put you in touch with this person, sure. this person, and help you get to that next level. And, and ultimately, I completely agree. I read a couple of books recently that exactly talk about that mindset of being able to go, look, I want to take, I want to still run the business, still be involved, and do all the things I'm passionate about. It's my baby, but. I'll get, I'm going to employ people who are better at these jobs than I am to actually run run the business in, in that sense, which is, uh, yeah, I find fascinating. Like you say, what great space to be able to create that here where you are able to support people on a yeah. different, different level. So, yeah. very cool. Okay. Um, so moving on, we've got, uh, so obviously Plus X, um, obviously initially formed, you explained how you guys have sort of come together, but what, um, what, why in Brighton, why, why Morscombe, why, why here? Um, how much do you know about the background of how the business was created? Do you know much about Hayes? No, 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 no. It's worth understanding where we've come from, yep. so you'll understand why we're here. Yeah, okay. So, Hayes in Middlesex, probably yeah. been driven past it but not stopped on the way yeah. to Heathrow. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, used to be an economic powerhouse mm-hmm. uh, until the 1980s because EMI HMV were headquartered there. Mm-hmm. That's where they pressed. The Beatles vinyls. Why, 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 okay. And yep. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Thorn Televisions. Yeah. So they made Thorn TVs there. 1980s manufacturing recession hits, the arrival of CDs in Japan and all that sort of stuff. Sure. Wipes this place out. 22,000 jobs gone. And that was just the EMI. Right? Wow. Um, and uh, the landlord of this building, you and I, discovered this opportunity and went, wow, this could be a fantastic new neighbourhood because Hayes is going to get the benefit of Crossroad. Great, fantastic, new neighbourhood with homes and offices and a new school and a new academy, fantastic. Um, The problem is, it was way too early, nobody wanted to go to Hayes, there was nothing for you in Hayes. There weren't the homes, there weren't the jobs, there, there was no real reason to go. How do you give people a reason to go to somewhere that was amazing once, but has lost its confidence? And at the same time, we discovered in the archives of EMI, I say we collectively, the the landlord, etc. The EMI used to own this amazing in-house innovation and R&D business called the Central Research Laboratory. And it invented airborne radar and the CAT scanner. Okay. So an idea was born, well, could we somehow bring that back to life? Because that also disappeared. Yeah. By building some prototyping labs. You've been yeah. down to the ground floor. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. I hire some people like Andrew and Katie to run those, that, that space and maintain it. But more importantly, help people like Sam understand how to use a CMC vending machine. You'd be amazed how many graduates of industrial design products I don't know how to use a lot for kits. Sure, sure. Okay. So far, I can see where it's going. Uh, maybe give people some invention space, like desks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and most importantly, put together a program of support where you've got a great idea, but you don't know how to get from here to here to here. Yeah. So how to write a business plan, how to uh, raise capital, how to take your idea and turn it into a product design, 
into a prototype, how to find a manufacturing partner, how to protect the IP, yeah? what's your mark, route to market, all of these things, right? That you sort of take for granted, but a lot of people just look at it and go, oh my God, I have no idea, right? So we created this program, and that's the program that Matt designed and evolved into the leading hardware accelerator, arguably, in the country now. And basically, the idea was give people so much value that they, the only place they can get it is in Hayes. Yeah. And if you can do that, you'll attract a lot of other people who want to be part of that community. Yeah, sure. And on the back of that, companies like Sonos and GoDaddy and Sky Futures and Moore Kingston Smith, the accountants firm, yeah. took space in the same building. Wow. wow. Okay. So that was, a, that was the genesis, right? Yeah. And you look at that and go, wow, lots of places around the country yeah. could benefit from that. Yeah. How much do you know about Moleskine as an area? Not a huge amount, you know, okay. but yeah, 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 go on. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but no. most people used to think of this, if they knew the Lewis Road, yeah. probably either as the University of Brighton yeah, yeah, yeah. or the B&Q. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? And this site was derelict for 20 years. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't realise that Moleskine is in the top 10% of deprived wards in the country. Right. So it's an area that also needs its economic changing, its confidence yeah. rebuilding and yeah. regeneration. Um, so uh, the council understood that and said we need jobs. And basically we came along and said well we've got a proof point that says we know how to create jobs because we've got lots of case studies of companies like you've already seen in Brighton, yeah. we've gone from two people going into 10 people going into 20. Yeah. And because they've joined our accelerator and we've helped you know, loads of companies go from one to 20 and high value jobs, engineering jobs, yeah. you know, design jobs, companies that are raising millions of pounds in investment, we've got all this experience, but hey, is that, uh, that's very transferable. Yeah, of course. Yeah? So the idea was born to say, can we help change the dynamic of Moscow? In Hayes, we were doing it in 10,000 square feet, let's call it 100 people. Yeah. In Brighton, we're doing it in 50,000 square feet, 600 people. Wow. But with all of the learnings, so, you know, you're an entrepreneur. Yeah. When you're coming up with the idea, you don't spend a lot of money on it, you try and prove the concept and learn and improve and so on, right? Yeah. So we took all the learning from Hayes and said, right, let's go and design great uh, rapid prototyping workshops and let's also make sure that the space is designed in such a way to promote connectivity and let's try and get small, medium and large companies in the space because in a hundred desks in Hayes you can't get lots of different companies of different sizes. Sure, sure. Here you can. That's why you could start on the ground floor on a hot desk, yeah. move to the resident desk area and take three for your company, then you move into your studio for six people yeah. and then ultimately you take a hundred desks on the top floor maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was the, the, the thesis. That's the great thing. I think I love the I love the idea as well. Like you say, it's almost from from the ground up, and you're literally starting there. Absolutely. And we're, we're help you on that growth. But you go up the floor every time you yeah. you grow. Or, as or a unfortunately, oh. sometimes you have to go down yeah, as well. Of course, because, you know. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know lots of businesses that have you know maybe had office space, for example, especially now uh, as what's happened the last year, which is why it's probably even more relevant for you guys. But people have had, you know, got long leases on office spaces where there's 20, 25 staff and now we've got a few working from home or they've maybe downsized because of the economic downside and stuff like that. They've gone, well, okay, I maybe need smaller premises. Yeah. I don't want a long-term lease like I, I did have before where I couldn't get out of where you go, okay, I can come somewhere like this where people still got the ability then to work from home, but they've got a 
and you're, like you said, you're, all, you're creating a community here as well with other like-minded people that want to help and support. So and it's great to be able to, because I think even oh, the guys, Kristen Reeves are here, mm-hmm. I believe as well, which I, I know I know well. And it's very much about that complimentary benefit, yeah, right? Absolutely, absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, I think it's, it's one of the things often that's not understood about, um, I don't know, creating a successful community is you sort of think to yourself, well, everyone's got to be like some tech coder. Yeah. You kind of know, yeah. because actually you need the graphic designers, the video makers, the accountants, you yeah, know. Yeah. So actually it's a mindset. Yeah. Do I want to collaborate with someone? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As we were discussing earlier on, yeah. that's, that sort of draws you into a space like this yeah. um, because you want to make new ideas happen. Yeah. Um, whether you're a lawyer or a coder, it might not matter. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I love that idea because you're right. I think, and it, because it caters them for every different part of your business, and, and like you say, and the collaboration comes from different forms, doesn't it? And how you yep. sort of work. And that's really interesting. Okay, um, so move, moving on. So you opened in July 2020, um, middle of obviously a global pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> can you, can we, can we, let's talk, talk a bit about that experience and yeah. tell us about that. Well, uh, well, it's interesting. Sometimes it's hard to think back to that time because obviously between the two lockdowns, possibly July felt more like a golden period. Where, where, and then we had, you know, the, the, the last winter, which was which felt much tougher. But the point is, um, if you go back to March 23rd, uh, we had the Central Research Laboratory open. Uh, now, we did close it for two weeks just to really assess uh, what uh, was what was going on in terms of COVID security. Could we open it again? Could we operate it? Because there are sort of two big issues. One is that actually we were working with people who were making physical things. And actually, so this question, essentially the government guidance was work from home unless, you know, you need to be at work to be effective, uh, you know, in the physical office. And of course, many people were making physical things. Mm -hmm. And actually, during the first lockdown, they were making PPE for the the NHS, laser cutting or 3D printing, you know, the face masks and all the rest of it. So within two weeks, we had um, reset our sort of COVID policy and worked with our insurers to make sure we could open the West London facility, the Central Research Laboratory. So in other words, you know, a couple of months later, when we came to, to be ready to open this place, we had a lot of experience of what it was to operate a place yeah, sure, uh, sure. during the pandemic. And ultimately, during the whole pandemic, with both locations, we have never, ever had a case of cross-infection you know, um, it's always been completely COVID secure. So what we always said is that it's up to our members to decide whether or not they are going to be more effective working from home or more effective working from the space. And we allowed them that flexibility. But week on week, month on month, people came into the building and they said, this is a lifesaver. Thank you for being able to operate this in a COVID secure manner, because both psychologically and practically, you know, I need that. Um, and, and yeah, occasionally in, this, in the second lockdown, possibly we sort of had a 5% drop as people moved to a virtual membership, but pretty quickly they came back. Yeah. And here we are post pandemic with 300 people in the building. Yeah. Uh, so not post pandemic, but you know, post lockdown, coming to the end of lockdown, we're yeah. not even out of full lockdown. We've got 300 people in the building. Right. So yeah. I think often it's said, isn't it? You know, if you can start a business, if you can launch a business yeah. during the really difficult times, then hopefully you're building a very resilient one. Uh, and what's yeah. lovely is, I think, I'm, I'm sure they don't, you know, people don't want to sort of shout too loudly about it, but quite a lot of companies have thrived by being here, despite the pandemic. Yeah. So have you met Jack from Nords? 
from no, it's the GPS but I know, yeah, I know about it. I don't, I haven't met him yet, but I do know about it. Being efficient is not the same as being effective. Yeah. 
right? Absolutely. And actually what we're saying is that if you want to be creative, if you want to be imaginative, if you want to have new ideas, if you want to bring new staff members on board and show them how to get the most out of being in a business environment, sure. you can't do that over Zoom. Yeah, yeah. So I think people are, are, are now really trying to resolve where can I find efficiency gains, perhaps by working from home part of the week, yeah, sure. but where am I going to be more effective and especially more innovative, creative yeah, you know, yeah, and, and energized by being in a space like this. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, as, as Paul says, loads of people had a particular reaction to lockdown saying, hey, this is actually rather good, but they realized that was a naive and slightly simplistic understanding yeah. of what work is and the role of offices, the role of space. In, in, in work, yeah. I guess ultimately we're, we're, we're so social creatures aren't we so we yeah. we want to we thrive off other people we want to be around other people and and you know there are some people maybe a bit more introverted this has worked they go oh no I, I like this not having to but ultimately we still whether it only be one day a week or a couple of days a week whatever it is just to be out and about but I'm as I alluded to I love go to a lot of networking events and host networking events and, and various things and being around like the last couple of weeks being able to go to some of those events on a, on a smaller scale than usual but just being around yeah. people great you know and you've got you've got it's that you can't I'd, I'd never done a zoom call in my life and until the beginning of last year and then I went through a stage of 95 percent of my day was yeah. behind a screen and and you just look very be very productive and uh, it helped me to still keep a business going and stuff like that. But there's there's a huge element that I couldn't, that for me, that would not work on a yeah. regular basis. And you, I think a lot of people will look at it like that. There's, there's an efficiency there that you can tap into from time to time. Yeah. And, and that's where I think big companies are still trying to deal with it now. Because yeah, again, absolutely. I think one of the people, one of the things people don't understand about our kind of building is that, yes, we're interested in the startups and the scale ups but we're actually interested in big businesses as well. Yeah, yeah. The corporate teams yeah. that need to be innovative. Yeah. And again, because of their natural uh, approach to risk, yeah. they can sort of be thinking, how do I respond? I don't know yet. And I think a lot of bigger corporate teams are, str are trying to work out what do I do, yeah. but they need just as much collaboration and, uh, and probably more energizing. And, uh, probably more, yeah. you know, bigger companies, you know, they're often more do things by process, mm -hmm. uh, risk averse, mm -hmm slower to make decisions, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you make a decision like that because you're, yeah, an, yeah. you're an entrepreneur, right? yeah, yeah. and that's a, a, a spark that yeah. many large companies claim you have, but a lot don't, or yeah. have lost touch with that, um, so we want to attract lots more of those companies to the space, you know, whether that's take five desks or take a 30 person studio or take an entire floor, yeah, yeah but we want that, and, they, and we want them to be complementary, we want yeah, them to contribute to the community, but also benefit from the community, yeah. right? It's got to be a two-way thing. Well, yeah. collaboration is exactly that, isn't it? Collaboration has got to be that it works for both parties, however that is, or whatever that Absolutely. combination is. So that leads on actually nicely to the next question. So what type of companies have you um, welcomed to PlusX today? Um, and, and what does success look like for both PlusX and the, and the community and, and uh, members? Yeah. Um, well, I think one of the key things that, that I think we've already discussed is sort of diversity. There's something wonderful about uh, having sort of media and sort of video experts over here and branding and then uh, deep tech expertise. You know, we were talking to some sort of deep, deep sort of fuel engineers the other day, but, but they knew they needed uh, marketing support. Yeah. So really one of the key things about innovation these days 
is that you really do need these multiple uh, sort of skill sets to come together. Sure. You know, some people call it combinatorial innovation, it's a sort of fancy word. Um, but, it, but it's just, and so that diversity is really important. But at the same time, I think, um, there are some things that unify everyone. So we know that also some of the big themes about health and well-being or environmental sustainability, these are things that are going to draw people together. Yeah, yeah, sure. So for instance, you know, what we found in, in West London, in, in our hub that I guess has been going five years, so we've got even more mature community, is there were lots of healthcare innovations, both mental health and physical health, and then lots of um, uh, environmental sustainability innovations. So turning potato waste into bioplastic, or here we've got, as we've mentioned, Lucy Hughes turning fish waste and algae into bioplastic. Wow. Um, you know, uh, so, and other people turning fungus or mycelium into construction materials. We've got roadways here who are fantastic uh, sort of... Um, Sorry, uh, long, thank you very much. Here's your lunch. Thank you very much. This is pulled plate. Pour some water because I know there's no... Looking at low carbon concrete, you know, and, 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 and looking at the, sort of the novel material, you know, how do we resolve uh, some of the issues around uh, energy and, and, and carbon dioxide in, in, in roads? Yeah. So it's really interesting, again, seeing how these common themes turn up in these different places. And we do think for Brighton especially, yeah, yeah. Uh, because of its values, you know, it believes hugely in, you know, environmental uh, sustainability, yeah, social yeah. justice. Yeah. So you, you, you do tend to see these things you know, turning up. Turning up. And, and, and as we've said already, then other deep tech people like Nort, yeah. you know, putting GPS antennas on the roof. Amazing. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so, so yeah, again, you know, really, really um, broad, you know. I think what's amazing is also the, the point is here we are opposite University of Brighton. Yeah. And also with University of Sussex, you know, down the street. And, you know, you they, I'm fine, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should, should we pause for a bit? You guys can. No, no, no. As long as you don't mind. No, I, I'm, I'm yeah. happy if you guys are. So yeah. yeah, yeah. And one of the things that we, one of the things that we find absolutely amazing and inspirational, is the types of businesses that are around. Yeah. You know, up at Sussex University, is amazing quantum computer team. You know, lots of machine learning competence within the University of Brighton. You know, yeah. people don't know. Obviously, Brighton is a great gaming. Uh, sort of sense, lots yeah. of gaming technologies. So again, there are these very, very rich scenes of, of skill and competence yeah. in, in the Brighton you know, ecosystem. Some, something I think is what we said. Um, I think I, I, to appreciate from my point of view is you know we try to listen to what are the challenges the place like Brighton would face, right? You know better than those. Brighton's got a lot going for it, right? <laughs> Sussex has got a lot going for it. Yeah. Yeah, there is a national issue, which is to the government uh, trying to address through levelling up. Yeah. And we talk about the idea of talent is everywhere, but opportunity is not. And one of the things that struck us when we first started exploring that, whether we should be doing Brighton, talking to the city leadership, talking to the vice chancellors, was we've got quite a lot going for us in Brighton. We've got two great universities, yet yeah. a lot of the talent doesn't stay, yeah. or if it does stay, it commutes. Yeah. Why aren't they staying? Or, yeah, yeah. It's because there aren't enough of those um, exciting career opportunities with the right sort of companies who want to scale and so on, right? Sure, sure. And why is that? Partly space and partly support. 
yeah. right? So part, you know, we, we don't shout about it, but one of the things that we'd like to try and do is help retain talent in Brighton yeah. and help attract talent to Brighton, yeah? yeah. Um, so why why should you have to go to central London or New York or San Francisco like he did? Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah? sure. Why aren't the opportunities, yeah, so we're trying to help facilitate that. We're not, we're not solving the problem, we're trying to facilitate yeah, yeah, yeah. a solution. Amazing, amazing. That's where are we? So this is interesting. So uh, has the pandemic changed how people work in the innovation hub? In the innovation yeah. hub. Yeah. So, <laughs> some of these things. Some level, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Must. At some level, no, because as I said, you know, we were open all the way through, and people yeah. were getting on with it, and so yeah. to some extent. No, but I suppose as we were discussing earlier on, there will be more businesses that are considering flexible offices yeah. because they need to deal with that uncertainty. So as we all know, if you're a tiny business, life is uncertain because you are tiny. And now if you're a bigger business, life is still uncertain because the world is more uncertain. So I suppose it is that more businesses and bigger businesses are dealing with uncertainty yeah, yeah. and so therefore they're in a place like this both because of the flexibility that it offers as yeah. well as the collaboration that it offers and, and, and the yeah, ideas. Yeah, yeah, sure. But I'm not entirely sure that um, things have changed. I think, I, think how, I, think, I think how people use the space, how people are going to use an office space yeah. Yeah. and how we're trying to cater to that I think is changing. So, sort of maybe a, a, an interesting way of thinking about it is we used to go to the office to work at our desk yeah. and we'd go on an away day to be creative and to collaborate yeah. Yeah. yeah pandemic has changed the way people think and it's maybe actually the desk is no longer in the office we work at home at our desk yeah. and we come to the office yeah. to congregate and collaborate we're going to do something different here so suddenly, if I was a 20-person company, and I might have thought, because of all the flexibility, I want to take a 20-person studio with 20 desks. Actually, I want the room, but do I want to use the room as 20 desks people sit in the room? Maybe there's a different way to do it. This, right? Maybe it's a room like this that's set up like this with 20 people in it, where you're sitting having a little chat, and, and we're working on a project here, and another group of brainstorming, we're using the jam, yeah, 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 sure. right? So the way that we're going to use the space, so, so we, we have a, a, we thought for a long time during the pandemic that the death of the office is exaggerated. Yeah. Where the office is located, how you use it and how much space you need might have changed, yeah. but there's still a need to come together. Uh, yeah, I completely, I completely agree, and I think and a lot of people I speak to on a regular basis about this type of subject that I is, you know, working from home, the, the whole um, thing of the pandemic is from especially a lot of creative agencies you speak to and stuff in that sort of space go, look, we want people back in the office because the ideas bounce around. You just can't, you know, they hold a regular Zoom meeting, for example, and but it's. It, it's just a different ethos and the way that you do that on Zoom, you just don't get that creativity as, you know, even just us three, like we, you know, we was going to do a, a Zoom call, it's great that we're here now together and the, the energy and the, just the way that you can communicate is a completely different to how it would have been potentially on Zoom, which yeah, I, yeah. I think, um, 
personally, I, I completely agree. I think, I, I, and, I, and, and I do believe that the flexibility, and certainly uh, from what the space offers as well, is that flexibility isn't that you can come in. At, you know, I've got the the, the flexible arrangement where I can come in at 24 hours a day if I want to. Some people work later at night, which I do. I'm a bit of a night owl, so I potentially work late at night. You could come here and have that space. So I think that I think the old way of working in an office. The, the, the archaic nine to five, you've got to come in to, and sit there and that's your hours and that's what you work. I think that's changed. But, and creating spaces like this where you can then come in and potentially oh, I'll work 10 till three at that point and then I might come in later and go to the office yeah. or the staff will look, we're only gonna, you only got to be in the office together for three hours this day and that's how we're gonna do it. I think that's, yeah. I, think. I think that's right. And I think, so I, I think it's flexibility in time, as you were saying there, but also in space. Mm. So another classic thing is how many people would have collaboration spaces that could take 20, 30 people. Yeah. You wouldn't, right? No, 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 you, no. If, if I had enough space for 20 people, it's 20 desks and, a, and a, as big a meeting room as I could make in the corner, yeah, but it's yeah. certainly not for 20 people because sure, that sure. would be used quite rarely, yeah, right? That's yeah, the yeah. issue. Yeah. The bigger the meeting room, the more it's needed when you've got lots of people, but the less you're going to effectively utilize it. Utilization yeah, is poor, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that's the whole point about this, with shared meeting rooms and yeah. all, or our big event space. Yeah. And, and, and I'd add on that, the same um, thesis applies to the specialist facilities. Hmm. You might use a podcast studio, a podcast suite yeah. once a week. You might be able to afford to have a podcast suite at home. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But if, you, if it's choice, do I spend however many tens of thousands of pounds and waste all of that space in the house yeah. or in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or could I become a member here and have access to those facilities when I need them yeah. and I'm going to use that, I'm going to make up a number, 100 grand, yeah? yeah? yeah. If it's you know some of our laser cutters or milling machines or the yeah. podcast studio, whatever it might be, rather than doing that, I can actually hire two people and then we grow the business much more quickly. Absolutely, yeah. And that's the key that. part of the, the, you know, and, and it, by the way, it's on the doorstep, it's inside, right? Yeah. Everything you need is here, you shouldn't have to go anywhere else. And actually, actually the one bit of the infrastructure we've evolved a little bit is more the video conferencing. Yeah, yeah. I think work because I think work is more hybrid. Yeah, yeah. So you know, meeting I was having just before this one, I'm downstairs. Three of us are in the room, and one person isn't. Yeah, and I think sure. we're kind of getting used to that. So I think both the sort of the network connectivity, the you know, the bulletproof Wi-Fi, yeah, as well as um, the, that infrastructure, the big displays and, yeah, the, and, sure, the, and, sure. and the video cameras, I think that also matters. So for instance, our, our event space downstairs was always wired up to have the ability to, to live stream it. Amazing, yeah. And that was spec like two years ago. Amazing. And wow. now, of course, wow. it's like, yes. yes. <laughs> so, so we, <laughs> held, needed, up, we held our first hybrid event. Um, you know, and, and again, I, th I think it's that, that hybrid nature is also going to be required, and that's another example of sort of relatively expensive infrastructure yeah, yeah. Um, that, that's needed in order to make it work. And again, you wouldn't necessarily want to pay for that yourself. Yeah, no, absolutely. I do. It's interesting just touching on that thing about the because uh, again, being someone that networks quite regularly, I've, I've, I've embraced online networking. Um, uh, someone I work very collaborate with guys at Network My Club. They've used the Remo platform and they've done it. So that their their business model was ultimately big sporting venues like the Amex mm -hmm. or Twickenham and hosting events for them. So when the pandemic hit, started last year, it almost fell off a cliff. All their members were like, "What we?" So that, but they pivoted really well, went completely online 
create the, the, with the remote, use the remote platform, and has actually grown the business on that basis. So much so that they, I've, I had an interview with him a, a couple of months back, and saying that it, certainly for him, the future of, of networking as such will be a hybrid type of affair. And I, I'm, I'm a strong believer in that as well. I do think there is going to be, for example, when we mentioned about the time scale thing earlier, I, I, you know, I, I sponsored one of his events at a Twickenham um, event. Two hours to get up there, two two and a half hour lunch, a couple of hours to get back. That was really beneficial for me. But if I was just attending that event, still that same time factor. Whereas I could log on to the remote thing at ten o'clock, stay there for the, an hour and a half, and then I'm still in my office or here or wherever that you can do it. So I think there's, and and it's great that I'm interested to see, especially with like the event space, like you sort of say that downstairs, which is phenomenal. You've got the big screen there as well. When you said so. And do you see that something that will really be utilised for hybrid sort of events for yeah, forward? I think ultimately what we want is the best of both worlds, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're all talking about the energy that's created by people in the room, yeah. but also the incredible efficiency associated with people pulling in, pulling yeah, yeah, people yeah, electronically. So of course we can bring in world-class innovators who are based in China or San Francisco yeah. into Brighton yeah, yeah, and sure. at the same time we can gather together the people of Brighton and I think that's the most important thing yeah. how you both local and global at the same time yeah, yeah. I think actually the pandemic is helping that yeah yeah sure, um, sure. because people do say yeah I could put on a, a, a world-class conference yeah. um, but it's kind of anchored here in, 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 in Brighton Brilliant. yeah amazing amazing right um, so this is something I'm really keen to obviously talk to, to the readers about. Um, and so you run an in innovation project called Bright. Um, can you tell us a bit more about that and, and why Sussex businesses should apply? Yeah, so um, we've always believed that just providing the space is not enough. And don't get us wrong, I think that the physical infrastructure matters and creating a community of like-minded peers really matters for sharing but often there are sort of particular types of knowledge or particular formats or particular bits of infrastructure that um, are just really really helpful to accelerate um, and in general what we found is that we we can just help people accelerate their businesses so much more when we provide this deep kind of support that we've been doing sure. for many years now so bright is a collaboration between ourselves and the University of Brighton and what that means is that essentially we're using the knowledge that they've got uh, from the business school especially to understand what are the proven models. You know, small businesses are very time poor. Mm. So I might try lots of different things, but actually one of the interesting things about what academics do is they kind of prove scientifically that particular ways of working are very powerful. Sure. So one of the things that, that we do here is support peer groups, sort of peer-to-peer -peer learning. So how can businesses at a similar stage of evolution, not in competitive uh, markets, let's say, help out one another and, sh and share knowledge? Yeah. At the same time, there may be some deep research question that I need to answer. How could I get some of the time of the researchers at the University of Brighton um, to really work on my problem and fix something maybe sort of deeply technological or maybe it's about a new business model that needs sort of working out? Um, you know, I can have access to those guys. Or maybe a masterclass. Maybe I, I am thinking about making something physical, need better packaging or something, but I, I don't have the skills. How can you have a masterclass in our workshops uh, to give you the confidence yeah, sure. to do that? 
So Bright, in many ways, offers a great menu of different types of business intervention. Yeah. And the point is, we work, we in the University of Brighton work with each business in order to work out what is right for them. Yeah. But always, it's about trying to make it most effective for the very sort of finite amount of time yeah. that a business has got. And then also, what's important is that the Bright program is available to members of the space. We also, again, believe that we could do some virtual outreach thing, yeah. but actually it's really valuable f for people to get that the, the benefit of the physical community. And so that's sure. why really you need to be a member of, of Plus X yeah, yeah, in order yeah. to access Bright. Yeah, it makes sense. Obviously, as we've spoken about before, I'm obviously part of the programme, I've signed mm. up, which is great. Um, and yeah, and, and I, even the structure of um, actually getting on the programme, like you say, them type of questions that, so that it was, the actual program that I've gone for is very structured to what yeah. my business and I'm going to get the benefits at. That there's certain elements that I'm not going to need, I'm not going to use. But and it was interesting that it, like the interview process of getting into the, onto the program was I thought was excellent and really well structured in that sense to get out of me what I need for, for yeah. to help my business grow. And um, I think it's, exactly, it's really interesting how on the one hand we we need to customise to make sure we really sort of fit the needs of people, but on the other hand it's about an external viewpoint. The number of uh, you know business founders I've spoken to in this building that have said, "You really made me question my assumptions. You made me step yeah. back and actually rethink my business." Yeah. And we hear that again and again. And actually, the academics would tell you that that's one of the main benefits of these sorts of support programs yeah. is that they help the entrepreneurs to retest all of the kind of the basic assumptions that they made yeah. in putting their business together. Because so often, especially if it's just one or two of us, yeah. maybe we've not been, we've had the opportunity to be really reflective yeah. and kind of what's working, what's not working. Yeah. So I think also it, it, it is about customising to the individuals, but it's also being that kind of second pair of eyes yeah. just to really say, have you set yourself up as best you can? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I've got that, and it was because there was a, there's a couple of questions in there initially in, in, in the interview process that, that do really make you think. I should be able to answer that right now and then, and 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 even as someone, I like you say, I guess as an entrepreneur, or as I've run various different businesses, and but even that, I I know I I take people and walkthroughs through the platform, and I talk about County Business Clubs constantly, and I'm I'm really passionate about it, and I think I feel like I know it inside out, and then there's a couple of questions that get asked, and you and you go, oh, not thought of it in that way, yeah. or. Uh, like you saying about reflecting, yeah, absolutely. Because is that ultimate saying? Is always how much you often work in the business and not on it, and it's hard to sometimes. Exactly to, right. And I think even just that initial interview process makes you take a step back, forces you to take yeah. a step back and question. Go, okay, yeah. I do need to look at this and potentially a different. Phase. And, and, and remember that the, the, the you know, Bright was funded through some some grants. Yep. Yeah, 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 I did hear, but yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, what was you know, what was proof? Um, there is a lack of quality. There is a lack of space for UK PLC and specifically Sussex. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are great at supporting startups in this country generally, yep. especially in London. Yeah, maybe yep. not so much elsewhere. Yeah, not so good at helping them scale. They get to a certain point and they hit this wall and they don't know how to get over that hump. Yeah. Good news is somebody clever in the local area recognised that there wasn't enough support to help them get over that hump to scale, yeah. and there wasn't the right space for them to scale in or scale into, yeah. and they needed help, right? So, 
you know, that's why, you know, that's how we won it, right? Because we had the track record of understanding yeah. the challenges, yeah, right? Sure, sure. And it's about applying that to the particular relevant problem, right? Yeah. And the reality though is, it doesn't matter whether you're in Brighton or Hayes or Liverpool, yeah. right? They're the same challenges. Yeah, of course, yeah? of course. Just having, hopefully, um, somebody has the understanding to go, that is also a problem there. Yeah. Let's try and bring that same, you know, approach. The solution may be slightly, you know, it's going to be tailored to the yeah, area. Yeah, and what's relevant for you here may not be completely relevant in Liverpool, but yeah. Yeah. there are going to be a lot of core, the same core problems. That's it. It's, I like exactly what you're saying, that the core problems are still there for businesses, aren't they? Whatever whatever businesses I've run over the years and whatever people we speak, we all, and we all have similar pain points, don't yeah. you? And, and, and again, back to... Saying back back to the creating the space that you have it, 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 with the bright program other but just being around other founders other people yeah. just be able to go and I think what I don't know if you feel this and maybe you will from your members but from from the pandemic we've become a little bit more open and honest with people I've, I've found you know prior to yeah. this you go to events or you go to speak to and it, it, people you know I'm 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 cast myself as an optimist and someone that's you know um, very positive so I surround myself with them type of people but you go and there's there's certain times like where you go to an event and you'd be yeah oh, yeah that's business yeah oh, great yeah yeah absolutely we put our face on it and, and I guess what I'm alluding to is the fact that being around other people actually with the pandemic it forced us to go you know of course it's tough at the moment there's this is I've been faced with this problem or this, and people showing that vulnerability isn't necessarily weakness um, and it's being able to reach out to people who are and if we are a little bit more open and honest that we can yeah. support each other then I think, I, I think that's an absolutely fascinating point because um, hopefully yes as we say the, 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 the pandemic has helped us all Thank understand you. we've all uh, got challenges we, we can see the fact that we're homeschooling more or you know whatever it is that we're trying to juggle with, yeah. with life but I think the reason why I'm just absolutely fascinated by the point you just made there is that um, is it possible for the culture in an innovation hub such as this to be that much more honest, so people are saying, you know, because because to collaborate yeah. sort of indicates that I have a need and, and you have an ability yeah, yeah, to yeah. help me with my need. We need that sense of honesty. Yeah. Whereas I suppose we're, when we are out and about at some kind of networking event, we are slightly selling. Yeah, of course. And I think that's the heart, that's the interesting thing. Can we can people in here be less in sales mode yeah. and hopefully sort of helping? helping understand each other's needs and finding opportunities to collaborate mode. And they are slightly different modes, I think. Yeah, uh, I, you know. I, no, I, I completely agree. And, you know, from whatever business you run generally, whether it be, you know, in another lifetime, I owned a hair salon to you, you and I was front of the house, you're selling, you're still selling that service in some way. So whether, and then you've got a product that you're selling, if it's a product-based business, then you're selling. So you, whatever business we do, you guys are selling space and etc. So we're always sort of saying, but on that, that token, you look at then, like you say, creating a space where people are able to come and be honest about, yeah. you know, the pain points that they are in. Yeah. And like you said, reaching out to people and, and like you say, ultimately collaboration is saying, look, I've, I've got this great product. I think it could benefit you, but at the same time, what you guys offer can benefit exactly. me. That is a collaboration of work, you know, benefiting both parties. And I think- you know, How do we create the safe space? Yeah. So it's often yeah, said absolutely. that one of the things about Silicon Valley is it's a safe place to do risky things because if that start, startup fails, you can jump 
to another startup, yeah. right? Which is kind of interesting. And so I'm always interested with this idea of the safe space. So yeah, the safe space to kind of learn and to yeah. talk and collaborate with one another, but maybe also the safe space, because if you did fail in something, then maybe you can go and sort of collaborate yeah, 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 and start yeah. up something else. And, yeah. you know, too, too often, uh, again, this world of entrepreneurship is, is seen as risky, and it is. Yeah, but how do we make it feel a bit safer? Yeah, yeah. No, fantastic. Yeah, it's really interesting. Really interesting. Um, okay, so what... Um, Moving on, our sort of question is obviously to both of you really. Um, what, what's the future of the innovative business in the region like, like Sussex? Well, we, we hope very much that it is, um, as Paul said, about us helping these smaller businesses to scale. So if, if we look in the area, I think we'd generally say there's lots of entrepreneurship, but it might tend to be quite small scale. And so there are two challenges. One is how do we really get those businesses to grow and get more, um, uh, more brand watches of this world, things like that, you know, some of the really big success yeah, yeah, stories. Sure. But equally about the bigger businesses, how do we make sure that any bigger businesses that are around here are engaging and, and innovating? And how can we even draw bigger businesses, I don't know, from central London yeah, out sure. here, better quality of life, you know, to be part of innovative or, communities like this? Or hub and spoke, right? You know, whereas you might have uh, a space for 200 people in central London yeah. and actually have people commuting from Brighton, commuting from uh, Kent or Surrey yeah. and say, well, okay, we'll keep that central London office because maybe that's where the, the boss wants to be, yeah. yeah, or that's where their clients are, but actually having a satellite space. Yeah. And that big corporate says, you know what, I'm going to take a 50 person space here or 100 person space, it depends on the size of the company. Yeah, like, of course, about, of course. You know, some of the big accountancy firms, you know, they have tens of thousands of people all over right. the country, yeah. right? Um, so to, to Matt's point about saying, actually, there are two benefits there. If you take that hub and spoke model, which is saying, let's take some space in Plus X in Brighton. A, it's more convenient for our staff, therefore they're more effective, more productive, more efficient, yeah. right? Because of proximity, but actually you're putting them in an environment, whereas rather than being just with their colleagues, they're with their colleagues, and lots of other complementary businesses. Yeah. And that's what we want to do more of. That's what we want to see more of. Because we know that the combination of that small, medium, and large actually adds up to more than three. Yeah. One plus one plus one probably actually is ten. Yeah. But I'm, yeah. I'm sure we're all mutually interested in the stories. Like, what will be those amazing stories yeah. where you go, wow, that is a truly stunningly world class sort of business idea? Yeah. Where was it? I'm Brighton. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's that credibility. Yeah. Credibility and confidence, you know, again, we were sort of talking about it earlier on about areas that uh, didn't have as much confidence as really they ought to. Yeah, yeah. Um, I st we still feel that, that Brighton is a, is, a, is a confident place in many ways because yeah. it's got so much going for it. But in pure kind of world-class business terms, maybe less so. Yeah. And actually, that, that, that will be great to see some more stories, I think, Absolutely. Of, of, yeah, of I think success. And it's encouraging, isn't it? Like encouraging that mindset of people to go, like, like you say, I guess you, well, we've started this business and not everyone sets out to, I'm going to make a global business, it's going to be, and it's where you want to get to with your own business. But having the opportunity to do that and believing that it can potentially get there with that, that kernel of an initial idea that you can work with people to expand it and go, oh, actually, this is, could be potentially bigger. And having the, like, you, like you're saying, having the confidence in that. Yeah. That I can I can take it to that next level and it will be a world class business as you sort of say and yeah. um, 
And especially for those people, and again, I, I always think of this in terms of Brighton, there are many people in Brighton who are making very purposeful businesses as well. It feels like they're yeah. doing something good for the world, for yeah. society. Well, if it's such a good idea, why shouldn't it be yeah. you know, global? Uh, yeah. uh, so I think this is not always about a general sense of you know, power. I, don't know, I want to dominate the world. Yeah. It's more like if Brighton is so full of great ideas, let's see them at yeah. good scale. You know, it seems like a great thing. Absolutely. Brilliant. Guys, fantastic. Thank you.